On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, I try to do a bit better in my Tesla predictions for 2019 than I did last year. Plus, new wheels are on the way for Model 3. Tesla does right by customers with regard to the federal tax credit that's about to phase out and more. Happy New Year, my friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey coming to you live, or well, recorded live, I suppose. Then again, everything's recorded live, isn't it? (laughs) Recorded live from the North Scottsdale, Arizona Supercharger. I will explain why I am sitting here in my car supercharging and recording this show a bit later on. Uh, It does, spoiler, it involves me being a big old dummy. So I'll tell you about that along with my entire road trip experience in the spirit of adventure down from San Francisco to Phoenix. Uh, Listen for that later in the show after the news and after the uh, Ride the Lightning hotline. But if you want to see some pictures from my drive, if you're just curious, check out my Instagram. You can find me on there, DMC underscore Ryan. I want to start real quick, just as as 2018 comes to a close, if if you'll permit me a few minutes, this year has been... Uh, and I say this with zero hyperbole, I never could have imagined this, how this year would go for me with regard to Tesla. I mean, it, it, to say it exceeded any wildest dream is, is actually an understatement. I finally got my Model 3 after, uh, like many of you, waiting for over two years and, and planning and saving and hoping and wondering what's what options will be available and when will I get it and what about this and what about that and can I afford this and that and uh, and the car has just turned out it's been it's been an absolute dream everybody in my life has been asking me so what do you think of it and and my my answer has been that uh, there are the three best things I've ever bought in my life are one our house which we're so lucky to have two Uh, My LASIK surgery at age 22, now to be fair, that was a college graduation gift from my parents, so I didn't buy it, but roll with me on this one. And the third thing is this Model 3. It's it's really just been a blast, as so many of you are finding out, either if you're already an S or an X owner, or uh, if, like me, you've become a, a Model 3 owner over the last year. And it's, it's just been a treat with this car. It's so much fun. It just puts a smile on my face every time I stomp the pedal. And, and what a treat it has been. But of course, also, uh, Ride the Lightning itself has grown this year. Uh, more listeners than, than ever now. I'm just so grateful for people to have checked out the podcast and, and found it to be a useful hour to hour and a half of their week. And again, the, the feedback I get from you guys, whether it's in emails or phone calls on the Ride the Lightning hotline or, or tweets or Instagram messages, whatever, all the platforms... It's just so encouraging and so uh, just motivating, honestly, to, to, to keep, you know, continue to put my best into it, which I, I really promise you I do each and every week. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, it's uh, the attention. I started getting some replies on Twitter from Elon, and that was just, that was just fun, right? It was fun to, 
to get the, the answers to things I was curious about and be able to share that with you guys and, uh, and, and be able to kind of have him see like, oh, okay, this guy is, uh, he asked me questions that he clearly likes enough to answer. And, and then as, as the year evolved, of course, towards the end of the year, he publicly agreed to come on this podcast. Still waiting for that one, but that's okay. I'm in communication with the Tesla PR team, and, and hopefully it will happen at some point sooner rather than later. And then obviously the big one, the big two, really, uh, the next generation Tesla Roadster. I, I'm, I promise you, I am not being sly or anything when I say that I genuinely never even thought it was a possibility when I finally got my own car with my own referral code. But here we are uh, through the, the, the generosity of, of so many of you folks. Uh, I will now own a thing that a person like me, in a, you know, uh, <laughs> a, a person in my income bracket, let me just put it that way, should not have. Like, it's just, it's not a thing that should be real, but it is. And I'm, I'm so grateful. And, and everybody's been so supportive, including my wife and uh, boy, what a, what a journey 2018 has been for me personally. Uh, so again, with, with specific regard to all things Tesla, and that's a lot of that. A lot of that is thanks to all of you, whether you've been listening for one episode or 178. I just want to say thank you. I really do. Thank you for a great 2018, and I'm, I'm going to continue to do my best to bring you a great weekly Tesla podcast uh, throughout 2019 and certainly well beyond that. But happy new year to all of you. And with that, that segues perfectly into the first segment I wanted to get to. As you might imagine, a bit of a light news week in the the world of Tesla. I expect next week probably will be too, as it continues to be the the New Year's holiday and and people are still kind of off generally. And um, I don't expect a lot to break. But for this week, I did want to just continue, I guess now it's a tradition if I'm doing it again, and that is to make predictions for the year ahead. I'm recording this on Friday night, December 28th, as I said, here at the Scottsdale Supercharger. So uh, this show is airing. It goes live on the 30th. So just sneaking this in, my predictions for 2019. Now, first, I dug up last year's predictions. I forgot that I themed it sexy predictions, S3, XY, one for each. And it turns out I didn't do that well. (laughs) It did not go that well for me in the prediction department. A quick uh, recap. I predicted a full Model S redesign with all kinds of little details that I, that I threw out there. Uh, No, that obviously didn't happen. (laughs) Not even close. Um, So that didn't happen. Zero points for me there. I predicted that the Model 3 would outsell the S and the X combined. I said, quote, conservatively, even if Tesla only does 2,000 cars per week, meaning Model 3s, for the entire year, that's 100,000 cars. If they ramp to 5,000 by the end of Q1, remember that was the goal, we could be looking at 400,000 plus Model 3s in 2018. Odds are it'll be somewhere in between. Well, maybe not the boldest prediction, but I was, at least I was, uh, I was in there. <laughs> I got the middle of the road part right. So, uh, so I'll give myself a half a point on that one. As for Model X, I, I said uh, that the Model X would be relatively unchanged except for the an, an interior revamp to match one I thought the S would get, complete with a 17-inch 
uh, landscape-oriented touchscreen to match Model 3 and the UI design language. Well, we did get a unification of the UI design language when the Model 3's UI was brought, uh, generally speaking, to SNX, but that was the extent of it. So no points for me on that one. And then I had predicted that Model Y would be announced in Q4. Well, it's the 28th at 10.30 p.m. Arizona time. So unless that surprise happens tomorrow uh, or the day after, I don't think that's I don't think that one's going to happen. So um, I might end up only being one quarter off on that, which isn't too bad when it comes to trying to predict Tesla timelines. But so there you go. I didn't do too well in 2018. Here, though, are my predictions for 2019. I'm going to go ahead and stick with the same theme, but add add one letter. I'm going to do sexier predictions. S, 3, X, Y, and R for Roadster. So I won't repeat my Model S will get a full redesign prediction, but... I do think there is a very good chance we do get a larger battery pack. I know I said that last year. And the reason is, you know, the Gigafactory is humming along. Their their deal with Panasonic, you know, I it seemed like we heard a while ago that that could come to a close at some point. And of course, Panasonic is a partner on the Gigafactory, but that's probably neither here nor there. There's nothing particularly stopping Tesla from in, from offering a, a larger pack on S, um, except maybe the the probably the, the chief reason if it doesn't happen might just be uh, battery uh, limitate battery capacity uh, the, the the production limitations. All the all the batteries now are they can possibly put together are going into Model Threes. They've still got uh, power walls to do, but. If that can, uh, if the Gigafactory can continue to grow, continue to pump out cells, then I think we might see the Model S get an upgraded battery pack. Because really, the S has been very unchanged for quite a while now. And yes, it continues to still sell a very steady 60-ish thousand units per year. And maybe that's just fine with Tesla. But uh, we have seen in the past that they can get a lot of existing Model S owners to upgrade by offering a significant range upgrade, or in some cases performance, maybe at both, if a, if a larger pack could offer both. We saw, I mean, I saw anecdotally in the community, just on forums and whatnot, a lot of uh, early Model S owners upgraded to the P85D and or to the P100D. You know, these are, these cars are tech and tech, people that are into tech like to upgrade more frequently than you once every 10 years or 12 years or 15 years, the times that are sort of generally normally associated with a with a with the timeline on a car purchase. So if Tesla does want to, to uh, goose Model S sales and breathe a bit of, of new life, not that it necessarily needs it, but I could see potentially a larger pack being offered for the Model S. All right, for Model 3, what do I think there? Well, here's what I think. I think the actual $35,000 version will not hit until the second half of 2019. I base this on everything Elon has been saying in recent interviews and on the last earnings call. And my hunch is that we will get a standard battery Model 3 sometime in the first half of the year, maybe even in late Q1. 
but I'm I'm reasonably confident. Again, I don't have any inside sources. Uh, this is just based on what I see week to week. Uh, I do think that the initial standard battery Model 3 will still require the $5,000 premium interior option. So I think it will be a $40,000 car for a bit, which yes, it's, hey, that still gets the, the base price down. It continues to move the car down market as far as price goes, and that is that is important. So we'll see about that. And then, hey, how about air suspension? That was a thing I asked Elon about, uh, gosh, either, yeah, earlier this year, that was one of the tweets he had gotten back to me about. He had said 2019 with no real, uh, anything specific beyond that. I think, I think we're looking at second half of 2019 for the air suspension. And the reason I believe that is because I don't think they'll add in another variation, another variable like that until production is at least 7,000 cars per week sustained. The best, to the best of our knowledge now, it's at about 5,500 a week regularly, consistently, as they as they work towards 6,000 Model 3s per week, and then eventually 7,000, and then presumably the plan is still eventually to get to 10,000 Model 3s per week. So we'll see about that. As for Model X now, I think that car will be relatively unchanged. It is still relatively new. It's a, it's a fairly new car. You know, technically it launched in late 2015, but for all intents and purposes, it launched in 2016. But if the S does get a new battery pack, as I, as I went out on a limb to say a little bit there, I think the X, of course, they of course would get it as well. So I guess I don't have too much to say about, uh, about Model X. Now, how about Model Y? Yes, it will be revealed. That is no prediction. That's not much of a stretch to say that. So here's what I'll say about Model Y for predictions. I think it will not have Falcon wing doors. If you've been following Tesla for a long time and or listening to this podcast for a long time, you may remember a tweet from Elon in 2016 where he said, yes, it will have Falcon wing doors. He later deleted that tweet, but with an explanation of simply that he just likes to clean up his feed from time to time, take that how you will. But I think now that, so that tweet was made right really before Model X production had ramped and, and there were a lot of initial quality issues and, and, and uh, build issues as far as just getting those complicated Falcon wing doors to be, to be done correctly in volume production. So with, with the volumes that they're talking about, the goals, the production goals for Model Y, plus the fact that, let's be honest, while someone like me, granted, I don't own a Model X, so I don't live with it day to day, but in theory, I love the Falcon wing doors, but you know, hey, I had a DeLorean. That was my dream car as a kid. The Model X is the first production car since the first mass production car. I'll put it that way. The first mass produced car, because there was the SLS, uh, the AMG SLS Gullwing, but that was super limited production. Uh, it was also, you know, supercar priced. Anyway, um, the, the Model X is effectively the first mass production car since my beloved DeLorean to have uh, Gullwing slash Falcon Wing doors like that. So I'm, I'm biased in that regard. But uh, there are, I've talked to plenty of Model X owners who, who they're honest with me, they, they kind of have a love-hate relationship with the Falcon Wing doors. They love them in a lot of ways, but they, they have annoyances with them as well. So I don't think Tesla will want to risk alienating anyone. A traditional door will not do that. It might not be sexy, 
but uh, it's it's easier to build and it definitely doesn't alienate anyone. So I I think we will not see Falcon wing doors on the Model Y. Uh, to which point you might wonder, well, is is the Model Y going to effectively be a a uh, Model Three with a, a stretched a little with a third row and and a higher seating position, higher ground clearance? Maybe uh, Tesla tends to to always have something up its sleeve with regard to tech or cool new features. So we'll see. But that's what I think uh, about Model Y and, and the door situation there. Finally, the Roadster. I think we will not see the Roadster again in 2019. I think Tesla's going to lay low with it. I think this year is going to be all about maintaining consistent profitability quarter to quarter, hopefully all four quarters, and I don't think Tesla is really going to mess around publicly with the supercar. And I want to go out on a limb here. Uh, not on a limb, I guess. I want to just note, remember how I was saying a few minutes ago at the top of this segment how just dreadfully wrong I was about all of last year's predictions? I really want to be wrong about this one. I want to see the Roadster out there in 2019. I'd love selfishly I would love to get the chance to see it in person physically see it be in the same room as it or the same same place as it is but uh, we'll see I I just think they're Tesla this is a this is a year of of growth and maturity for the, for, for the company and yes we'll have a product unveiling in the form of the Model Y maybe even the pickup truck as Elon hinted but um, I don't. I think the Roadster. They're going to just keep quietly working on it and work towards uh, maybe release candidate cars and in, in hopefully early 2020 we see those so that by later in 2020 they actually start putting Roadsters in the hands of uh, of people that that have them coming via via deposit or or once in a lifetime kind of opportunities like mine. So there you go. Feel free to send in your predictions if you like. I'd be happy to spend a few minutes on next week's show, which I anticipate to be a bit of a slow one. So if you've got some predictions, please try to keep it quick, but you can call in with them. That's always the best way. But you can email if you like. So email teslapodcast at gmail.com or call the Ride the Lightning hotline, which again, you can uh, record something on your smartphone's built-in voice recorder and send it to the same email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Try to keep it again, minute, minute and a half tops. Or you can call the Ride the Lightning hotline, the number for which I will give out later on when we get towards that part of the show. All right, now speaking of the referral program, which of course is, is uh, the way through which the Roadster has, uh, it will be entering my life, it, the referral program has been extended until at least March 11th now. So I will stop trying to predict the death of, uh, of the referral program. And I'm, believe me, I'm glad it's continuing. But uh, the, the big news, the reason I bring that up is not simply to talk about that, but it's the, the, the new item that is part of the referral program prizes. So three referrals still gives you the option of t- the 21-inch arachnid wheels, if you're a Model S owner, 22-inch turbine wheels, if you're a Model X owner, or the one-week experience with S or X, wherever you want, uh, that Tesla is. So if you were to go on vacation somewhere and 
and want to have a, a Tesla for the week with you, you could do that. Now, those, uh, those are all well and good, but there was nothing specifically for Model 3 owners. I had actually emailed Tesla about that because uh, for me, I, I was looking, I, I asked them, I said, hey, is there any chance, you know, because a Model 3, uh, the 20-inch winter tire and wheel set for my P3D is cheaper in, in value than the S arachnids or the X turbines. It's like, hey, could I do this? Could I get this? Because that would be super useful to me. And there's nothing specifically for the Model 3 owners in here. And they said, well, no, sorry. You just have to take the, the SRX experience. So, okay, I asked, I tried. But an answer to my wish of sorts here, uh, not necessarily winter tire specific, but uh, some exciting news for everybody who has a Model 3. Three referrals now uh, also will give Model 3 owners the option of getting forged performance wheels for Model 3. That's the, that's the exact way that, that Tesla phrases it. Uh, forged, so let's see, en enhance the performance of your Tesla with these exclusive wheels. Forged performance wheels for Model 3. Uh, wheels will be available for installation starting summer of 2019. So these things are still probably six months out, maybe seven, maybe eight. They're a ways out. Nevertheless, this is great news for Model 3 owners because again, now we have something uh, in the, that referral uh, tier that's just for us. My first thought is that I wonder if these are the quote unquote performance aero wheels that showed up on the Chinese design studio about a month or so back that I talked about on the show. Those are 19 inch wheels and they kind of look similar to the aero wheels, but they have like seven slits in them instead of, what is it, four or five on the, the traditional five, I think, on the traditional aero wheel. So I wonder if this could be those. I also was wondering, well, are they gonna, the, the, the thing with the, those of you that have P3D pluses, you know that, uh, the 18 and 19 inch wheels won't fit on the model on the P3D plus because it's a different, uh, it's like a different wheel hub. So the, your, your only choice is aftermarket or Tesla did of course, finally start, start selling a winter tire and wheel package in, in 20 inch variant for, for us. So, uh, you know, I was wanted to know like, Hey, are, are the P3D plus is going to be able to use these forged performance wheels? And most of all, as I'm sure all of you hearing this are wondering, well, what do they look like? What, what, is, what does forged performance wheel mean? Uh, so I went ahead uh, and asked Tesla about it. And to their credit, they did reply. Now, I'll just add one other thing. I wonder too, and I, I sort of have speculated on this before with regard to those, those uh, again, quote unquote, performance arrows, as I'm calling them from the Chinese design studio. Could they be the turbine wheels that we saw on the rolling red mule that now lives on display at the Gigafactory and was, of course, on stage with the two functioning Model 3 prototypes at the initial reveal event back on March 31st, 2016? Could this be those wheels? Because Elon did say those were going to get made. I think there's a good chance these could be those. But uh, again, I, I went ahead and asked Tesla and... They didn't answer everything, but to their credit here on, on a, what is effectively a holiday week, although I suspect maybe not necessarily for them because they're, 
They've got a huge end of quarter push here to get through. They did kindly offer this in response that I can pass along to you. They said, quote, we'll share more details at a later date, but I can say they will indeed fit all trims of Model 3 uh, and we will also provide options. Oh, so this is a quick backstory. I'd asked if there was any way that people who already had three referrals or more to get to, uh, to, to you know, to get to that uh, S, the arachnid turbine or one week SRX experience. Hey, is there any way that, that we can get those? Uh, meaning even if we have to get like, you know, three more referrals, perhaps, uh, you know, if that was the thing. And they said, uh, they said, quote, and I lost my place. We will also provide options to uh, for secret level winners. So if you know if you have you're into that higher tier of uh, of referrals to swap their referrals and earn these. So hopefully, yeah, uh, if might get the I might get a crack at these things to uh, to go ahead and be able to get my hands on them. Now, those of you who've been listening know I. I'm in completely in love with the 20-inch sport wheels. I've loved them ever since they were on the original silver Alpha prototype of the Model 3, and they were in a 20-inch variant on that car, and I was hoping, oh, I hope they actually offer them in 20, because they offered them in 19 only at the beginning. They, of course, did offer that 20-inch wheel, and I'm so grateful to have been able to purchase them and have them on my car. So I love these wheels. It would take a lot to get me to swap them off, uh, as far as it'd have to be a, a really design that, that really uh, just hits my heart in just the right place. But uh, I, I think the cool part is, at the worst case, is if I'm able to get my hands on them, I can uh, throw some winter tires on them and be able to swap them on and off for uh, any winter journeys. If I wanted to head up to Tahoe or do a, any kind of winter traveling up into into you know, winter weather places. So that will be cool if, uh, if that's able to happen. But the point being here is that uh, ultimately, I'm just glad to hear that the, the referral program has been extended because now hopefully, maybe the first wave of standard battery reservation holders maybe will be able to get their cars and participate in the program for a little while, at least, at the very least. You know, we'll see about the timing on that. And that, you know, I'll tell you, that goes for Europeans as well, because as, as you folks know, you don't get your own referral code to start sharing until you take delivery of your car. Well, deliveries are expected to begin in Europe in February. That means that those initial uh, reservation, or the, the initial orders coming out of Europe now uh, that will we'll be able to participate in the referral program for at least a little while, and hopefully get themselves, you know, hopefully some of you folks can get, get uh, a prize or two or three out of it. And that's just great. The more people that can participate and, and help, you know, have, have fun, you know, winning prizes and, and spreading the love, it's just a good thing. It's a win all around for everybody. Speaking of wins for everybody, Tesla is guaranteeing the federal tax credit if you're in position to arrange it. So this could affect some of you out there right now, if you have not already heard this. Elon saying on Twitter this week, quote, if Tesla committed delivery and customer made good faith efforts to receive before year end, Tesla will cover the tax credit difference. Meaning 
if everything was all scheduled on Tesla's end with you to get your car to you by December 31st and it doesn't happen, Tesla is going to make you whole on the $3,750 tax credit that you would uh, be missing out on in that, in that instance. So hopefully this actually won't affect too many of you out there because obviously my hope is that you just get your cars by tomorrow. As you, know, as you hear, if you hear this on the 30th, hopefully you get it if you're supposed to be getting it. But uh, if, you, if, if, that, if that is you and Tesla couldn't deliver or didn't deliver, I would advise you to contact your delivery advisor, politely mention that tweet by Elon. You can say, hey, it's a tweet from Elon on December 22nd. I'm sure they'll be well aware of it. But uh, and, and again, I know I sound like a broken record with this sometimes, but you know, it's important, I think, to just, there's so much negativity in the world, particularly online, which of course is where Elon puts out uh, a lot of his information via Twitter. So I just, I, I would rather be, I would rather err on the side of being too positive than, than, you know, just overly critical or, or what have you. You know, you guys know that I'm going to do my best to, I, I, I admit I'm a fanboy, but I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to call it like I see it and call BS when need, when I need to. But again, just in this case, I think again, Tesla almost always uh, is able to, do the right thing by its customers. And this is an example of that. So kudos to Elon and the Tesla team for, for doing that and for making that clear uh, to all of their customers. That's just, that inspires a lot of confidence with your customers. That is a good thing. Speaking of good things, here's another slick segue to end the year with the Detroit news and their automotive writer who goes, uh, he's, his name is Henry Payne. The Detroit News has named the Model 3 their car of the year. There's a, I just wanted to read you a chunk of their description from the, the write-up because this is, it, it's, I'll tell you why in a minute. But the, So Mr. Payne says, quote, Tesla made history in 2018. The first viable startup automaker in my lifetime, the American brand's first volume vehicle soared to the top of the luxury sales charts over Germany's formidable brands, he says, parentheses, I bought a Tesla to follow the journey firsthand. I also own a Subaru, Honda, Ram, and Porsche. To put the Model 3's achievement in perspective, inside EVs project sales to eclipse 130,000 units this year. That's nearly double the next best-selling luxury vehicle, the Mercedes GLC SUV. And the Model 3 is a sedan in a sedan-averse market here in the United States. Tesla achieved this despite regular predictions by industry experts of its imminent doom, the near meltdown of its mad genius CEO, and manufacturing mishaps while rushing to fill a record 450,000 pre-orders. The $55,000 Model 3 succeeds because it is Apple on wheels. Musk reimagined the car like Steve Jobs rethought the phone as a study in design minimalism that is both gorgeous and more efficient than established platforms. Privately, other automaker execs tell me they admire Tesla for innovations that are pushing the industry forward. Over-the-air updates, better connectivity, better user interfaces. And then uh, Mr. Payne sums up by saying, 
a showcase for autonomous features like summon and automatic lane change, the high-tech Model 3 reaffirms the joy of driving. So wonderful words there from Henry Payne in the Detroit News in naming the Model 3 their car of the year. And this is notable, yes, because it's Detroit. That is not an insignificant thing. And as you can hear from Henry's words, you know, he, he's got a distinctly Detroit perspective on this car. Very, you know, that's his world, is the Detroit world, the establishment. And I don't say that as necessarily a bad thing, just as a as that is the viewpoint from which he is really uh, seemingly coming from here. And I think that perspective is valuable. And I also think it's something of a barometer for the the areas of the country, like Detroit, like Michigan, that that are uh, have been ones that Tesla has had a tough time cracking, either legally in terms of being able to legally sell their cars there, and or in terms of mind share. So this is this is I think a really significant thing, and uh, great stuff from Henry Payne and the Detroit News. That's all I've got for you to close out the year news-wise, but. Plenty more good stuff on the way in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. And then after that, I'll tell you about my first ever road trip in the spirit of adventure, approximately 800 miles or so from San Francisco to Phoenix. So stay tuned for all that right after this. It's Ride the Lightning Hotline time. Your questions, your comments your discussion topics. Give me a call anytime. I invite you always into the Ride the Lightning hotline. Again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can either record your question on your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Please try to keep your call to a minute or minute and a half tops. Uh, You can send that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, That number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Ramey in the Netherlands with a good correction uh, about European pricing on Model 3. Ramey, take it away. Hey Ryan, this is Ramey, your friend from the Netherlands. I wanted to chime in on the European pricing discussion on the Tesla Model 3. I think there are some misconceptions about why the prices here are more expensive than, than in the United States. The sticker price here in Europe is including sales tax. And that's a big difference because in the United States it's excluding sales tax. If you look at the Netherlands, for example, it's 21%, which is pretty high. If you look at Germany, it's 19%. And this differs per country. That's also where the price difference per country comes from. And if, you, if I calculate the Dutch price, take off the sales tax and convert that to US dollars, uh, and I'm looking at a long-range all-wheel drive premium interior Tesla Model 3, then the price here is 55,386 US dollars, which is still a little bit more expensive than in the United States, but I do understand why Tesla does this because of shipping costs and of course fluctuations in US dollars versus Euro pricing. Um, In the Netherlands, business owners can get their sales tax fully refunded from the government. 
And there is also e, an EV investment uh, fund in the Netherlands where, with which you can get up to 8,000 US dollars back depending on your liability. I have not ordered my Tesla Model 3 yet because I'm still waiting for lower priced options. I hope this helps the European listen, listeners. Keep up the good work. I listen to your show every week. Thanks. Bye. Ramey, that is an excellent summary. Thank you so much. A few people actually mentioned this to me as well, either in email or calls. I, I just straight missed the whole VAT tax thing on the original call. Uh, I should have known better. I mean, uh, yes, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say I'm a dumb American, but you know, I know I just whiffed on that one. So, uh, but Ramey, that was just a, a wonderful, thorough explanation of it to put it all in perspective for, uh, for, for nudniks like me who <laughs> just don't understand how things work in Europe. So thank you so much for setting me straight on that. Let me go to my friend Ron in Nashville up next. Wants to ask about data collection. Ron, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, it's Ron from Nashville. Um, just a question about um, data with respect to Tesla. Um, I, I'm kind of curious to know what, if any, is the intent with the data obtained from our driving habits, where we park, where we essentially eat, shop, etc. Um, you know, I don't know if they've contemplated or even made arrangements for how they would data share, like, things, for example, Facebook. But um, it's something I've, you know, uh, my wife and I have talked about uh, and just kind of contemplated. I don't know if you may have covered it in the past and we, we may have missed it, but um, just something uh, to contemplate and uh, maybe ask uh, Elon in the interview if this is something you don't already know the answer to. Thanks. Love the show. Excellent question, Ron. What I can tell you is that Tesla has gone on record in saying that the data collected is not associated with your particular car. Effectively, it's not labeled. But that's not to say that Tesla might not still be able to monetize it at some point, even if it's anonymous data. There is potentially a lot of money on the table there. Uh, when I was looking this up and trying to go on more than just my own memory, I found an article on Business Insider that included this, quote, McKinsey and co researchers predict that car data monetization on a global scale is set to become a 450 to 750 billion dollar industry by 2030. Wow. Uh, end quote, by the way. So, the hope is that, at least you know, for me on behalf, you know, for, for us, the hope for us is that if Tesla ever does monetize it, you know, stuff like Tesla owners going to certain stores on a relatively uh, large basis as a group, for instance, and want to sell that to a marketer or something, that they, as they have done so many times before, like I talked about just a few minutes ago here on the show, that they do the right thing. As again, as they typically have. Thank you for the call, Ron. Happy New Year to you. Pete from Carmel uh, wants to talk about leasing and a, and a certain uh, interesting situation he found himself in with regard to that. Pete, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Pete from Carmel calling in. I just thought I'd pass a little uh, interesting experience along to your listeners. I have a Model S that I've had for two years, it's a leased vehicle. And I was waiting 
until the lease ran out in July before I got my new car. I was actually going to do a Model 3 performance uh, for my next vehicle. And then I got cold called by one of the Tesla folks. And they said, hey, we're doing a lease buyback program. And basically what they've done is they are willing to buy out my lease. And then I can either lease or buy another vehicle. I'm actually buying a 100 D because they're actually giving me that car after the lease buyback for less than what I paid for my first S, which is a 90 D. So it's kind of double uh, dipping. I get to bail out of my lease early and get a nicer car for a little bit less money. Uh, The financing rate was good. Um, I actually turned on a couple of my other friends to this deal and they did the same thing. So if there's any listeners out there that maybe are stuck in a lease and and they want to get out of the lease early, Tesla is willing to do that. There's a limited number of months. I'm not sure what their limit is, but they're very hot to trot to sell new cars. So this is the time to hit while the iron's hot. Happy holidays to you and your family and all the listeners. Wow, Pete, that is tough to say no to. In fact, they've made it almost impossible to do so from how you describe it. Uh, when I was volunteering at Fremont, uh, I guess a week or so ago, maybe, wait, yeah, whatever. When I, when I was volunteering with new deliveries at Fremont, uh, there was a listener that I met there named Jeff who was actually doing the exact same thing you were doing. His P90D Model S lease wasn't up until May, I believe that's what he told me, and they were putting him in a P100D that day at the Fremont Delivery Hub. Uh, so this is clearly a strategic play on Tesla's part. And I would expect that this is only for the end of quarter push, but maybe they're thinking ahead to Q1 as well. That's a, that'll be kind of an interesting one to keep an eye on if they sort of continue that behavior or if it, if it suddenly goes away now that the quarter is over. Thank you for sharing this, Pete. Uh, and perhaps, as you note, other listeners might find this useful as well. That's why I wanted to play your call. James from Southern California replying to Will, who was asking about regenerati- uh, pardon me, regeneration on the breaking in cold weather climates. James, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, it's James from Southern California. Last week, Will was asking about regen in cold weather climates. Cold weather is one big factor when it comes to regen. The other big factor is how full your battery is. Most of us have seen when we're charged to 100%, you, you have limited regen. Well, even at 90% charge, the battery still limits regen. Um, so this is part of the reason why I only charge to 80%. That way I have access to full regen all the time, and it helps my watts per mile. So this could be one factor for Will. Just a tip to pass along. Thanks. Good call, James. Yes, I have seen this as well. 80 to 85% does seem to be about the sweet spot for maximum regen before it starts to trickle off a little bit, at least when the, when the uh, outside temperature allows for it. It's actually, I forgot, I'll tell you, I'm in, you know, down here in Phoenix right now, Phoenix area. I, I, for, I lived here for 15 years and I forgot, oh yeah, the desert actually gets really cold at night. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's colder than San Francisco at night in the wintertime. Anyway, um, uh, a different Will than the original caller, uh, gentleman Will in Albany, New York, also I wanted to mention, correctly reminds me that the Model S and Model X have dedicated battery heating hardware, while the Model 3 does not. Uh, that also explains the uh, part of Will in the UK's predicament. So 
Thank you, uh, both of you, to, uh, to Will in Albany and James in Southern California for chiming in on this one. Mike from Springfield, Oregon, has a quick little sort of addendum uh, tip, pro tip, about uh, windshield wiper action and uh, the, the auto windshield wiper stuff. So, Mike, go ahead real quick. Hey, Ryan. Mike from Springfield, Oregon. Got a quick tip for you on the windshield wiper issue. Uh, on the Model 3, if you touch that left stock button, not only does it make the wipers wipe once, but it brings up the wiper UI on the screen. So you can just tap that one touch and then, you know, hit the uh, manual setting that you like. Uh, agreed, that is one of the frustrations on the car is it, it needs to be a little better, but this thing gets better every month. So I'm sure it'll uh, it'll get covered soon. Thank you. Mike, thank you very much for that additional information. I totally, I should have included that in that in the uh, original tip last week. That's good information. I appreciate you calling in with it. Let's keep it rolling and go to Diane in Vancouver, who uh, wants to talk about her experience with, with Tesla and with the podcast. Diane, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Diana calling from Vancouver. My husband, Camille, is a frequent listener of your show, and by osmosis, I have also been listening. Um, I just wanted to wish you happy holidays, and thank you for doing the podcast and for sharing all the information that you do around Tesla. It has certainly helped me become more educated, um, and my husband and I actually drove a the sports version. I'm not sure I'm getting that right, but um, one of the fancier versions, we took a Model 3 for a test drive, and I'm not going to lie, the experience was pretty mind-boggling. If we had an extra $80,000, I would definitely um, be willing to procure it. So anyways, um, just wanted to say thank you for doing the podcast, and hopefully my husband is listening, and this will be a lovely holiday surprise for him. Thanks so much. Bye. Diane, I hope that wonderful call of yours makes your husband's day, because I'm going to be, honestly, it sure as heck made my day. That is incredibly kind of you to say, and I'm, I'm glad that your, <laughs> your seemingly involuntary exposure to my voice, at least, at, least in, at first, has now turned into a good thing. Thank you very much. Next, Zachary in Chicago. I believe it was Zachary. I had a little bit of time hearing, a hard time hearing the name on this. I hope I've got this right. Zachary from Chicago uh, has a uh, has just wanted to express a word of gratitude, and I just want to make a comment on that. Zachary, go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is Zachary from Chicago. Um, I wanted to thank you for teaching me about the adjustment of the car seat. I had my car for nearly six months, and I didn't even know about the lower back support button that was there. So even I've listened to your podcast for about three years and owned the car for six months. I did not know about it. So thank you so much for teaching me about it. And congratulations on your roster. You fully deserve that with your educational podcast. And it's very inspirational. Thank you. Well, I am very happy to be of help. You know, that that's why, from what I wanted to say about this, is, is from time to time I talk about evergreen topics. You know, I bring them, kind of mention that. Because, you know, they can, those evergreen topics can be useful to both new listeners and people who simply may not have known that bit of information. I mean, the, the pro tip section of the podcast that, I, that I've been doing for a little while now, 
I that so much of that has been new to me. So you know, I'm learning stuff from you guys. I'm happy to pass it along. It's great. So uh, I I hope that you're sitting a bit more comfortably in your car now. Thank you so much for the kind words. Happy New Year to you. Leon in Ohio is uh, taking a ride in his Model 3, calls into the show, and wants to comment on Navigate on Autopilot. Leon, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Leon from Avon, Ohio. Uh, on my way to do an estimate, and I drive my Model 3, I had it on uh, Navigation on Autopilot, and I've done uh, about 50 bug reports. I'm just curious if anybody else has this problem. My navigation volume keeps going down, sometimes to zero by itself. I do a bug report, and then I set it about midway, maybe 60%. And then sure enough, when I'm using autopilot, it happens again. Uh, Just wondering... Anybody else having this problem? Is there a fix? Um, love your show. Keep up the good work. Well, Leon, I, I've not heard of that one, but then again, I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask because I muted my navigation voice on probably the first day I got the car. But again, as I, I like to do from time to time, uh, you know, hey, I don't have all the answers, but sometimes we can crowdsource it. So I'm happy to throw this out to the group in case anybody has a solution for Leon. Uh, Send it in to me, email, call, whatever works for you. Leon, I will let you know if anything comes through to help you out. I'm going to go to Bob in Austin next. Haven't heard from Bob in a little while. He's a regular caller, a long-time caller. He's responding to the caller who'd, uh, who'd been mentioning auto lane changes being canceled by the car rather than the user. Bob, go ahead. Hello, Ryan. It's Bob from Austin. I'm calling in response to the caller who said that his uh, Tesla abruptly canceled a lane change and veered back into the original lane. On my Model S, that happened to me once a couple years ago, and I quickly figured out what was going on. When I signal for a lane change in uh, AP1 autopilot, instead of turning the turn signal on, I just hold it down. You know how you can hold the turn signal down when you let your hand go, it goes off again. And I did that, and after it was about halfway through the lane change, I released the turn signal. It, the car must have interpreted that as a board and veered back into the lane. It was pretty surprising. I tried to experiment a couple of times to make sure that that's what was happening. So it could be that that's what happened to you and this man who called in, was that you had held the turn signal down just slightly enough to turn the signal on, the car starts changing lane. Before it's completed the lane change and let go, and the car says, he must want me to go back, and you go back. So that's just a possibility. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bob. I don't recall if, if the original caller had a Model 3, and I say that because the Model 3 has a different turn signal stock entirely, whole different turn signal setup than the Model S and the Model X do. But what I wanted to add to this was that This actually happened to me a few times on my San Francisco to Phoenix road trip that I'll tell you about in a little while here, and I'm not sure why. In Model 3, you just click the turn signal all the way, whether it's, you know, down to go left, up to go right, and then the car does its thing and it turns the signal off itself automatically when it's done with the lane change. So 
I'm not sure what the car is seeing or, or more specifically thinks it sees when it's, when it, those cancellations happen, but I am confident at least, I, I am very confident definitely that, that those false positives are going to get less and less frequent with subsequent software updates. You know, the thing is though, it's, it's definitely enough to A, jolt you and B, annoy you and really C, kind of give you less confidence in using the feature, which is, you know, you don't want that because if people don't have confidence in it, they're not going to use it. And then that's just no, you know, what's the point? No, but that doesn't help anybody in that case. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes over time. Finally, the last call of 2018, I think it's fitting, goes to Lawton in Chicago, uh, who always is just so positive, so enthusiastic. My probably again, probably the, my original regular caller. Uh, love Lawton. He's always so nice. And I, Lawton, again, I, I'm so looking forward to meeting you on the Roadster Tour when I come through Chicago, maybe even sooner if I'm lucky. But uh, So Lawton from Chicago has the last call of 2018 uh, speculating on upcoming full self-driving features. Lawton, you are on the air. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. With your upcoming Tesla 2019 predictions, want to get your thoughts on a timeline and requirements are future autopilot and self-driving features. Per Tesla, all vehicle shipping since October 2016 have the necessary sensors with autopilot hardware 2 to eventually achieve full self-driving. However, all vehicles may not have sufficient computing power. Version 2.5 hardware with increased computer power was released around July 2017, version 3 coming in 2019 being over 10 times faster than version 2.5. When do you think Tesla will start requiring additional processing power to enable further enhanced autopilot and eventual full self-driving features? As more Model 3s and new S and Xs are sold, vehicles with version 2 hardware will become an increasingly smaller portion of Tesla's on the road. My hunch is that Navigant Autopilot will update in mid-2019 to include recognition of traffic lights, stop signs, and roundabouts that Elon hinted about in his December 9th tweet. Afterwards, getting limited engineering resources and deploying their advanced neural net, Tesla might consider optimizing on hardware version 2.5 and above for further new major features. This will also allow Tesla to further increase revenue by targeting current version 2 hardware owners to upgrade to full salt driving with the associated version 3 processor. To incentivize upgrades, either end of the quarters or after major software updates, they could periodically offer the upgrade at a discount for its current $14,000 or more cost. Thanks for spreading Tesla cheer and good tidings year-round. Best wishes for a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. Look forward to your thoughts. Thanks, Lawton. You know, it does seem like enhanced autopilot is just about, quote-unquote, done as far as features go. I mean, the last thing that I think we're still, again, quote-unquote, owed... <laughs> Not to, not to, I don't want to phrase it negatively like that, but I think the last thing that's that's still to come as far as EAP goes is the Summon Plus that Elon, uh, and again, I say this in a kind way, made the mistake of Elon timing us with recently, saying that it would be out at the time. He said uh, about six weeks, and, and yeah, that was a while ago. But anyway, that's neither here nor there for the purposes of your call. So, but, you know, after Summon Plus where you can have your car follow you around uh, like a pet, I, I think anything else moving forward is going to require that Autopilot 3.0 computer the Tesla's deliver, uh, producing in-house and uh, developed in-house, and thus 
require that $5,000 full self-driving upgrade option, unless, of course, you happen to already prepay it at $3,000 when you ordered your car. I, I personally, here's another little extra mini prediction for you. Again, and I don't want to be negative, and I don't mean it this way, but I don't think we're going to see anything in the full self-driving department in 2019 in terms of actual delivered features. It's such a hard problem to solve. And Elon recently sent out a company email offering a bit of a deal on, on car pricing for employees who are willing to test out those full self-driving features and give feedback to the autopilot team. Uh, I suspect that Tesla is just going to be doing a lot of internal testing on it throughout 2019. There may be regulatory issues involved, even if Tesla's tech is ready to go with any of the, the full self-driving features. I think maybe we, we might finally get that coast-to-coast -coast autonomous demo uh, that's been promised for a while that would seemingly be tied to the Autopilot 3 computer. So we'll see about that. I'm just, I'm eager to see what Tesla comes up with. And, and again, are, I'm wondering if they're going to make me regret not paying the $3,000 up front with, uh, to get that full self-driving when I ordered my car. That's it for the Ride the Lightning hotline. But again, that's only for 2018. Got uh, plenty more of your calls to do in 2019, so please keep them coming. I gave you the call-in information a couple of times earlier in the show, so please dial me up. Feel free anytime. Would love to hear from you. And uh, I will be right back with a little discussion, some notes from my 800-mile journey in the spirit of adventure from San Francisco to Phoenix. Be right back. So as I mentioned, I had my first proper road trip in my Model 3, about 800 miles from San Francisco to the Phoenix area. I want to first give a big shout out to my road trip buddy, Michael from Pleasanton. Now, Michael uh, is, a, is a listener of the show, and he, he heard I was going to Phoenix after Christmas, and he reached out and said, hey, when are you going? And it so worked out that... His schedule was was a little bit flexible, and he uh, he we we caravan together. He came with me, uh, which was just great. And it, I'll tell you, I just I I can't thank him enough because it really was a safety blanket for me in that having you know never done an electric car road trip, uh, just having someone there to uh, quite literally watch my back. Uh, although in when most of the most of the drive we had, uh, we decided that Michael should lead. So that any little maybe bit of uh, of of drag resistance or drag uh, benefit, you know, he would absorb the wind, and and I maybe would would pick up uh, you know a little bit of bonus in his wake because I have the less efficient car than he, he has a long range uh, Model Three with the 18 inch Aero wheels. So we were able to do an apples to apples comparison of our efficiency numbers throughout the trip. He actually made a spreadsheet out of it. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, I'll give you the results of that later, but it's nothing surprising. But yeah, Michael and then his daughter uh, was with him. She was just delightful. Uh, both of them, boy, what what a it was so much fun to have a to have a friend. You know, we'd we'd stop, uh, chat at all at the supercharger stops, and just a, just a great great time. So I had uh, I actually had my daughter with me, 
who volunteered to come. I said, I'll buy you if you want to just fly with mommy because, you know, <laughs> mommy didn't want to do a, a, you know, all day road trip. And I don't blame her. But, you know, I wanted to bring the car. I wanted to do this road trip in the car to just do the experience. And that way I could bring Daisy to my parents' house. So, you know, but uh, yeah, my daughter volunteered to come with me. I think she saw it as an opportunity to uh, watch cartoons literally all day. But you know what? She didn't. She, she listened to an audio book for a little while and then ended up just watching out the window the entire trip and, and just talking my ear off. And we, it was great. What, it was a great little bonding experience for a day. Uh, Daisy was an angel. She just laid down on, in the back seat next to my daughter and, and uh, was, was fantastic. She uh, eliminated on command at all of the, uh, the supercharger stops, so I didn't have to worry about that. So it was great. And the, a quick shout out as well. There, I ran into not one, two listeners who just out of the blue without me, just they recognized me at supercharger stops. So uh, Jeff from Santa, uh, from Santa Clarita at the Santa Clarita Supercharger Stop. Uh, hi, Jeff. It was great to chat with him for a few minutes. And then Anthony from Brisbane, I ran into him. He, he found me at the Kettleman City Supercharger, which that was the only one I was like, I just was determined to see that one. I was like, I wanted to go there to see this big, cool, you know, 40-stall Supercharger with, uh, with canopies and the, the lounge and the whole thing. The bummer about that, which I totally get, no pets inside, and Daisy had tied Daisy up out just right out, literally right outside the door, and she she had some anxiety about that. She wasn't thrilled about. She was in a strange place, puppy by herself, so she was kind of yelping a little bit. I had to just be out there with her for most of the time. Didn't really get to spend too much time in the lounge, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. The car did great. Um, my only real issue of sorts was that I had a clunking sound every now and again, right, on, right under my feet. A couple times I could actually feel the clunk right under, uh, on my feet, under my feet. And uh, it, was, it was like every, between like 10 and, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And it, the thing is, though, it was, it, and it was down near the L.A. mountains. That sort of, it, it went away after we got out of those mountains and never came back for the rest of the trip. So, you know, and I've heard that sound before, again, you know, at Superchargers, there have been calls to the show about that, where, you know, you hear a clunk and it's, I guess it's something like a, like a coolant pump or something that's, that's you know, while the, while the battery is juicing up, cooling the car, the battery pack. So, I don't know, this was just happening at 70, 75 miles an hour and just a clunk. And it's like, oh, that, that doesn't seem <laughs> ideal. But, you know, the car was fine. Nothing happened. So I, uh, if, you, if, if this has happened to you, please let me know. I'd love to hear what you learned. But I did make an, a, a, I'd made a service appointment before I left for, 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 for shortly after my return in January because I'll be due for my first tire rotation. So I said, let me get this on the books. So I did that. So at least I can mention it to them and see if they know anything about it or want to take a look at anything. But... Uh, there was that. And then the only other thing is in some of those mountains uh, in, in the L.A. area, I tell you, the temperature got down uh, into the high 30s at one point, And it got a little bit close to because the, the summer tires on the P3D Plus 
are not supposed to be, it's the limits like 30 something degrees where you're not supposed to have them in, in conditions colder than that. So it's starting to get all like, uh, is this, is this bad? Am I going to, is my traction going to be, uh, you know, called in, called into question here. So everything was fine though, but the trip ended up being, and this is going to sound crazy, sound like a, a, a nightmare, but it really wasn't. It was a 17 hour day. And again, I know that sounds insane, but it really didn't feel like it. Because uh, you know, I, I had heard, I'd read so many accounts over the years of, of being a, just a Tesla fanboy with my face pressed on the glass from the outside looking in before I got my car. I'd heard so many accounts of Teslas being so much less of a grind to road trip in than an internal combustion engine car because of the smooth ride. You know, there's no, there's no engine rumbling, rumbling your body uh, all day as you drive. You know, it's just a smooth, smooth ride. And, you know, you got your mandated charging stops where you got to stop, get out, stretch your legs, take a break. And of course, autopilot. And I have to say, all of that bore out. Uh, it was a 17 hour day, but I, I felt great. I really, I only started to get a little tired, not any sort, because I'll just tell you, my my huge fear, my my big fear, besides the usual, like, oh, I hope I don't, there's no accidents, there's no road hazards, flat tires, anything like that. But my big fear about this trip was that I knew it was going to be a long day. The the map, uh, the, the car map had said it would be about a 15-hour day with all the charging stops. I was just worried I would fall, I would be like dangerously drowsy, but you know, towards the end of the trip. But that absolutely didn't happen. I only started to get like a little tired but still fully alert, fully aware in the, like the last, after the last charging stop in about the last, I don't know, 90 minutes, hour to 90 minutes of the drive. But, um, the thing is we ended up stopping. We spent about an hour at each of our five stops, uh, which actually the math adds up on that because it's about a 12 hour drive in in an ICE car. uh, And I've done it a number of times. And so, boom, you, you know, you add five hours to that if you chart, you know, stayed at the charging stations and that's where you get 17 hours. So that totally makes sense. But, you know, we just, you know, bathroom break, relieve the dog, get a snack, maybe a, a meal, depending on what time of day it was. And then we would chat about our strategy for the next leg of the trip. And in fact, on that note, Michael and I did have to strategize a bit and not just follow the car's directions blindly because uh, he had gone on uh, a better route planner, uh, th- that website, and it was saying go down to Burbank. And I was like, I do not want to go down into the teeth of LA. That's like my nightmare. Uh, I've always done that trip from San Francisco you know, to Phoenix. You get down, and then I'd always taken the 210 across through Pasadena and then all the way around, and then the 15 down to I-10 East, and then you just, you bypass a lot of that LA uh, madness as far as traffic goes. So I was looking at that, and so we we adjusted, we we stopped it, uh, we went from, so we went, we met at Livermore, the Livermore Supercharger, um, which you know was cool by the way, so Livermore Supercharger, if you're ever in Northern California, it is, there's, there's plenty of them, there's a good number of 120 kilowatt superchargers. And it's a huge outdoor shopping mall. 
There are also other pay-to-use, you know, CCS chargers for other other EVs. But there are also there were a couple of just Tesla high power wall connectors, destination chargers. So if you're just going to the mall to shop, you're going to be there for an hour or two. You could com- for free just plug into one of those and get, you know, if you've got a Model 3, those things charge at about 44 miles per hour. So you could pick up maybe, you know, 80, 90 miles, depending on how long you're, you're shopping. Uh, and that's totally free rather than, rather than paying at the supercharger. So I thought that was kind of cool to see. I've never seen that at a supercharger before. Uh, so yeah, it was, we met at Livermore, then went to Kettleman City because I really wanted to see it. Also, there's an in and out right across the freeway. So we went to the in and out drive through, then came over to Kettleman City, plugged in, went in the lounge, ate our in and out, and then we're on our way. Kettleman City is cool. Definitely advise checking it out if you're, if you're uh, making a trip up, up, up or down Interstate 5 between San Francisco and L.A., uh, then we went to, so we went from Kettleman City, uh, and then we made it through the Grapevine to the, which is the big mountain range, uh, north of Los Angeles. And we stopped, uh, in Santa Clarita. Uh, now I want a quick, quick note. I was, I was terrified of the mountains. You know, it's, I was like, oh man, going up those mountains, it's just going to, especially on my, my P3D with the 20 inch wheels, it's just going to chew up my range. And I, yeah, I know you get, you get some, you get a a little bit coming back down, but I was really afraid of it. So we charged up extra long in Kettleman city. And then, uh, but it turned out the car did great. We had, we had so much extra buffer as it turned out, which was great because then I had no anxiety about it. I felt good the whole time. And we stopped in Santa Clarita, uh, just, uh, you know, just out, off the grapevine, uh, really the, the north tip of the greater Los Angeles area. We hit that. And that's where, like I said, we met Jeff. Um, that was another outdoor mall, uh, kind of shopping center there. That was all well and good. So that went well. And then from there to Indio, we, you know, we got, we got, uh, around L we ended up kind of, we were there like right at rush hour, you know, there's nothing we could do about it. We ended up going kind of up North around kind of way up and around <laughs> LA a bit, but the time worked out the same or even a little faster. There was an accident on the 210. Anyway, whole thing. So the card did us right by, uh, w- with the navigation on that one, we, we kind of were checking it with Google maps to see what Google, you know, cause Google maps at least offers alternate routes and shows you, well, this one's 20 minutes slower and this one's 50 minutes slower. And there's, so, um, yeah, the, the, the card did great for us on, on that route suggestion. And then from Indio to Quartzite, uh, Quartzite was by far the the crappiest supercharger as far as the amenities go. It's you know it's the but basically right near the border of California and Arizona, and it is it's there are, I think eight of them it was, and it's at a there's a it's a, it's in the back of a Carl's Jr. like there's a there's a there's literally there's a barbed wire fence. Right, be- right behind the supercharger. So don't let your pets or kids get too near that. Uh, and there's literally nothing. The Carl's Jr. was closed when we got there. So if we needed to go to the bathroom, thankfully we were all okay in the bathroom department. There was nowhere to go to the bathroom. Uh, there was nowhere else to eat. Nowhere. I mean, it, that was that was by far the the the. I would just say, like in general, the grossest, like the the least 
appealing supercharging stop. The rest of them were all pretty good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we just we stayed there for an extra while because it turns out there, there were headwinds. And, you know, I forget that Phoenix, it's, it's this hot desert, but it's actually got elevation, too. Phoenix is like 3,000-something feet elevation. So it's, it's a, there was headwinds and an, a, a steady, like, just very gradual, pretty much not even noticeable incline the whole time. So we start charging, and it's, you know, the, the mileage was only 150, something like that. You know, we're, so we're at like 160 and it's like, oh, you know, you need to stop in uh, Buckeye, which is the last supercharger outside of the greater Phoenix area or sort of on the, the fringe of the greater Phoenix area. And I'm like, I don't want to stop again. So we just let it let it keep charging even longer so that we could make it to our respective destinations in the Phoenix area. But uh, yeah, it, it was really great. Um, you know, we for the for the efficiency so we never did more than 80 miles an hour except for some times where i had to kind of turn off autopilot and zip ahead through all the wolf packs man people just nobody respects or way too few people respect the drive on the right pass on the left thing there were just gob disgusting just gobs of cars you just couldn't get anywhere it was some really frustrating parts like that. I mean, you know, autopilot takes a lot of the edge off, but man, it was just, it's just if people would just respect the simple rule, everybody could get there quicker. But anyway, yeah, we never did more than 80. Um, but uh, yeah, we just didn't have to worry. So I, I did 304 watt hours per mile for the entire trip, which is barely off of my 301 lifetime number in what is now, and let me look at my car here, in what is now uh, 5,500 miles. So, um, so yeah, you know, it wasn't, it, it, the car did basically what it normally does. And 200, or rather 300, uh, 300 watt hours per mile is effectively, effectively a 250 mile range. So, you know, a, a 20% penalty off of the rated range of the car. You, the second motor, yes, a little bit of weight there, but mostly the wheels. Mostly those 20-inch wheels uh, eat, you know, it's about a 20% hit. And in fact, Michael's numbers, because again, we had the same, but very, very apples to apples comparison here. His, again, long-range Model 3 rear-wheel drive with 18-inch aero wheels, he was 267 watt-hours per mile. So again, about about exactly a 20% difference uh, between between the cars. It's all in the wheels, mostly. And then finally, the last thing about the trip I want to mention, just uh, a little nugget of wisdom learned the hard way by me that I want to pass along to you. Don't be a dummy like me and assume that you have everything you need. You know, I, I have a wall connector at home, so I never even take my mobile connector out of the, the, the package, out of the, the case. And, you know, I remember it, the mobile connector, just remember, your car comes with a NEMA 1450 plug, a J1772 plug uh, or adapter, and a regular 110, regular 110 volt outlet plug. My parents, right 
when you go through, you park, go in the garage and then right through the door to go into the house is the washer and dryer. And so they have a, they have a NEMA, uh, 1030 outlet there. And I was like, great, I'll back the car in, plug right into their dryer outlet. It'll be perfect. No problem. NEMA, that, that, uh, plug does about 22 range miles per hour. All good. Cause you know, I got to their house with a fairly low state of charge. I forget exactly what I was at, but, uh, I went in the car, I go in the, I go in the mobile connector kit and I was like, oh man, <laughs> it doesn't come with that one. You have to get it separately. Uh, and I was, I, w- I should have checked that. That's such a silly, dumb mistake for me to make. What an idiotic mistake. I called Tesla first thing in the morning, 9am, the, the Scottsdale store, very polite woman answers the phone. I said, uh, do you guys happen to sell the, the, uh, 1030 adapter for the, for the mobile connector at your store? I, I, or can I only get it online? I just drove here. I forgot it. And I said, Oh no. She said, Oh no, sorry. We, we don't keep any in stock here. So I don't want to blanket attribute this to all the stores, but if, if this is a normal policy, I'd really like to humbly suggest to to Tesla that they keep, just keep like a few of each of those, uh, adapters and, uh, charging kits and charging solutions in the stores. Because then if you get a dummy like me who either just doesn't check like a moron or just forgets, you know, it, that happens too. Cause now what, what I'm having to do, well, so, okay. So then I, I, I go online to order the, the $35 adapter piece that I need for my mobile connector. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to bite the bullet here and pay for the overnight expedited shipping. There's no option for that. Tesla only ships FedEx ground. Now they, they don't charge you for it. It's free shipping, but you can't do overnight shipping, which that was, uh, you know, normally I wouldn't care, but it's like this, this was a kind of an emergency situation. So that was kind of frustrating. So I went ahead and ordered it anyway and had it shipped to my parents' house, knowing it'll probably show up the day before I leave next week. But, you know, then it'll just, I'll have it for next time and that's fine. But, um, so just before you leave for a trip, you know, know the, know the, the, the charging solution at your destination and just make sure you're prepared for it. Cause you only get you get those three adapters with your car, NEMA 1450, J1772 adapter, and a regular old 110. So I've been getting four miles per hour at my parents' house, but you know, it. so I, I'm now, I was going to go to my cousin Pat's house and leave the car overnight with him plugging into his high power wall connector, but I thought, well, I've got to record the show anyway, and I'm very loud, and I project my voice a lot. And I can't, I can't record this show quietly. It just doesn't work. So I have to sit in the car anyway to do it. That's like the only place in the house that's, that I'm not going to be disturbing anyone with my loud voice. So I thought, all right, I'll just drive up to the closest supercharger and I'll record while I charge, kind of kill two birds with one stone. So that, my friends, is why I'm currently sitting here at the North Scottsdale supercharger they are urban superchargers, uh, and I've gone. I rolled. Up, I rolled up in here with about eleven or twelve percent battery, 
and I went ahead and just set it to 100% charge because I got to drive back to my parents' house after this. And <laughs> I, in the time I've been recording this show, I've let's see, I've got I'm I'm up to 300 miles. So you know, it does take me a good hour. It's I don't know, probably like an hour and a half to record this, something like that. But anyway, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and so anybody that's walked by hopefully thinks I'm on a phone call uh, with the speaker, you know, with the Bluetooth, and doesn't just think I'm an insane person talking to myself in my Model 3. But there were a couple of Teslas here earlier, uh, but now it is just me here. (laughs) I don't know how many stations this is. It looks like at least a dozen. But in any case, um, that was my road trip. So it was a good one. You know, I do still, I got to get home, hopefully, uh, Fingers crossed that I have uh, another successful drive on my, my return trip. But yeah, it was, uh, it was such a long day, literally all day. But boy, it was, it was, it was great. You know, it was physically great. I wasn't, I wasn't physically exhausted. I wasn't mentally exhausted. Uh, Daisy was great. My daughter was great. And it was so wonderful to travel with Michael and his daughter. They were just lovely people. And, uh, yeah, it was, if you ever get a chance to caravan, you know, to, to, to do a Tesla caravan on a trip, boy, just take it. It's great. There's, if you're going to have a road trip and drive all day, it was great to have the beautiful, another beautiful, uh, model three, the, the, I, I love the, especially at night, the, the, the taillight, the outline of the lights on the taillights on model three, they're just, they're just super, they're so nice. And you just, you get to look at that for, for hours on end. It's better than looking at, at, at most other cars, in my humble opinion. But there you go. So again, uh, Michael, thank, Michael from Pleasanton, thank you so much for, uh, for you know, kind of altering your schedule a little bit and, and accommodating mine and, and coming along with me on this. It was really a treat. It was great to get to meet you and get to know you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Before I leave you, let me do, uh, actually, I'm just going to give you a year-end bonus. Let's do two tips of the week. Uh, I'll just play them back-to-back. We got Joey from Los Angeles and Rich from Seattle. I'll do those and then come back to wrap up for you right after this. Joey from Los Angeles here again. Here's my Tesla tip. You can set up a driver profile specifically for autopilot. Uh, sometimes I find the AP acceleration deceleration just a little too harsh. So with a separate driver profile I made called Chill, I've got the velocitator set to chill and the regenerative deceleration matrix set to low. I've also got the follow distance going up to four or five. Uh, and to go a little step further, I've got another one called Chillax where I have the chair lean back a little bit for a more uh, relaxing drive. All right, keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Hey, Ryan. Rich talking from Seattle again. I can't believe I've called a third time, but I love your podcast so much. Uh, just a pro tip is uh, when you are going to the supercharge, make sure you know where the other half of the supercharger is. Everything is 5A and B, for instance, and if someone's on the other side, you may not get your full charge. Now, most of the time, they're next to each other, but for instance, in Centralia, Washington, uh, we got there last night, and we we're, you know, one away from everybody else and discovered that that one is wired so that all the A's are on one side and all the B's are on the other. So uh, we weren't getting the full charge and couldn't figure out why for a while. So make sure you know where 
B, if you're in the A, where the B is, if you're in the B, where the A is, and hopefully taken. Thank you very much for your podcast. It's awesome. Bye. Joey, thank you. I like that tip about making a driver profile, a separate driver profile for autopilot. That is good stuff. And then uh, Rich, uh, you know, that's... I, I did cover that on my Beginner's Guide podcast, the A and the B on the superchargers. But again, that's it's a good reminder for everybody. If you didn't hear that, you know, you so good stuff from from both Joey and Rich there. Thank you all. And that'll about wrap it up. I want to mention if you are in the market for any Tesla accessories, things like lighting kits, screen protectors, uh, center console wraps. T-E-S-L-A, lettering, Roadster style for the back of your, your Tesla. Um, the puddle lights that shine the cool Tesla logo or whatever logo, whatever Tesla-related logo you want down uh, underneath your, your door when you open your door at night. All that stuff, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your very first order Again, that code is RTL Podcast, all one word. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, uh, they took great care of me this year. Jeff, thank you for everything you've done for me this year. Uh, the, my Model 3 just looks great, thanks to him. Uh, that paint correction and then the, getting that, that... Again, I've told you guys, the film has already saved me uh, once for sure with the one on the side lower passenger door and then that, that gash on the back bumper... Hopefully, it totally saved me on that one, too. But uh, Jeff does great. Just what an attention to, de to detail on this gentleman. So if you want to learn more about Jeff's services uh, with regard to detailing and protecting your Tesla, visit his website at irdetailing.com. Uh, Patreon. That is the uh, primary way to support the podcast. If you so choose, again, it's always optional. Will, it's, there's nothing forced about it. It's, it's a purely, uh, purely by your own choice should you elect to do that. But, um, you know, this, this pod, I get to keep doing this. I can justify the time and energy that go into this because of support on Patreon. And if you're able, uh, if you're willing and able to contribute to that in any way, I am sincerely grateful. You can learn more about the Patreon at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, ah, you know, a referral code again. Uh, it, use, use other folks' codes if you can. Try and spread the wealth around on those prizes. But if you just don't have anybody else in your life that you know, you if you just need a code to get your six free months of supercharging with your order, feel free to use mine. Uh, you can either give it to a sales advisor, it's Ryan73014, or if you're ordering online, type in, uh, type this into your, uh, your uh, web browser, ts.la slash Ryan73014. If you're in Europe and you're, you're, uh, you're a reservation holder and you're, you've been invited to configure, go ahead and make your order, and then there are instructions at the beginning of episode 175, just a few episodes ago now, uh, there's an email address and some information that, that you have to give Tesla, but they that is the way you can just email them after you order, and they will apply the referral code to your order so that you get your six free months of unlimited supercharging when you take delivery of your car. 
If you want to uh, keep the Tesla spirit going to your smartphone case, Luxendary.com has some fun Tesla-inspired smartphone cases. Go to Luxendary.com slash RTL, and anything you buy from there will automatically get a 15% discount code baked in with your order. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. And if it won't, uh, what am I, lost my place? Oh, of course, (laughs) the email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com if you want to uh, email me for any reason whatsoever. And the last of the plugs here, if you're ordering one of the the Jada wireless charging pads for your Model 3, if you have a Qi-capable wireless charging smartphone, and you'd like to be able to wirelessly charge it in your Model 3. Uh, the Jada wireless charging pad is, is an option for you. I sadly don't have a discount to offer through with that, but Jada kindly passed along a, a URL. If you use this URL when you, when, you, when you make your purchase, they throw me a couple bucks as a, a referral thing. So if that's something you'd like to, to do when you order one, uh, you can order at getjada.com. That's Jada, J-E-D-A, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And I promise I'm done. That's about it. Uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast service, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Remember, tune in. You can get the show in your Tesla. I'm also on Spotify. You can also find me on YouTube. Just the, the audio feed uh, gets pushed to YouTube as well. Just search Search Ride the Lightning Tesla Podcast on on YouTube and you will find my channel there. And uh, yeah, an extra special year-end thanks to the Patreon producers, the kind folks supporting me each and every month at the Patreon producer level. Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Luke Miles, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Rick Sinta, Bill Royko, Scott Gillis, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Stig Mickey Jensen, Ground Level Painting, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, and Blake Wiley. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support. Again, I want to wish everybody a just happy, healthy 2019. Uh, let it be, if, you, if you've uh, taken delivery, it'll be, maybe it's your first, like me, it's going to be your first full calendar year without ever visiting a gas station. Or uh, for some of you, you may still be taking delivery, probably plenty of you still taking delivery and, and uh, joining the Tesla family officially from uh, as an owner, not just an enthusiast and a reservation holder in, uh, in 2019. So I wish all of you the best. Thank you for everything that you've done for me this year, all the support in all the various ways. It's been a, it's been a heck of a 2018. Here's to a great 2019 for all of you particularly, and, uh, and certainly for Tesla as well, because when you know, we want to see them do well, when they do well, uh, I think we all do well in, in some way, shape, and form. So um, 
Here's to a wonderful 28, 2019. Happy New Year, everybody, and happy electric motoring. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun. 